0: All right, fact check this podcast. I'm not sure what episode this is going to be. I'm uh, I've actually talked about I'm going to stop putting the episode number at the beginning of it because now that I'm starting to uh, like pre-record some stuff, plus do a few more interviews and stuff. Uh, It's going to get kind of jumbled and I don't know exactly what order I'm putting everything out in. So I'm just going to stop saying the episode number at the top of the show and we're just going to roll with this is fact check this podcast, whatever it is, and it'll come out whenever it drops. And today I've got Jim McGill of the Ignore This Rant podcast back with me. Uh, Jim came on forever ago, like when I first started, I think it was episode uh, nine or 10 when you you were my first interview ever on the show. So, uh, Jim, how's everything been going? What you got going on?
1: What's up, Justin? I appreciate you having me on once again. Uh, Nice to come back. Uh, Yeah, I believe the first time I was on was back in November. It was right after the election, because I remember we talked about that. Um, Things are going well. Still doing the Ignore the Rant podcast. I think we're about to drop episode 47. Uh, We took a few months off. Just Everybody's schedules got crazy. Uh, I think from March and April, or April and May, we kind of took a little hiatus, but we came back and surprisingly our listenership, uh, if anything's gone up, so things are going well over there. Uh, hopefully one of these days I'll get you on one of our episodes with us, uh, but right now we barely even know what we're doing, so once we figure that out, we'll have you on.
0: I don't know that any of us actually know what we're doing, uh, even even the ones who do this like professionally, have just from... Uh, <clears throat> talking to them and, and engaging with them on a regular basis. I'm not a hundred percent sure any of us really know what we're doing. We're all just kind of uh, throwing stuff around in the dark and seeing what sticks, but it's, it's still a lot of fun. And, and if we can find, you know, decent topics to talk about from week to week, like, you know, like you said, we talked about the election last time, and you would think maybe in the six, seven months since then, the world might have gotten back to normal and calmed down, and if anything, I think it's gone in the complete opposite direction, and that's that's part of what we're going to talk about today. Because I've been holding on to this nugget for a couple of weeks, and knowing that you were going to be on, I thought you'd be a perfect perfect person to talk to this uh, talk to about this. We are going to talk about January sixth and the end of democracy that almost was. <laughs> what what, Man, are your, nine, what are your thoughts on that 9 right 11 the times
1: two <laughs> well right. well i know that uh obviously i watched it live uh i knew something was going to happen i was watching a lot of the streams if if there's one thing that i can say that came out of 2020 it's the year of the streamer the live streamer and moments of unrest because that's what i spent most of my evenings during the summer last year doing was just watching all of this riot footage from live streamers in the middle of it. And so when, when everybody knew that there was going to be some gathering protest, marching, whatever, but in this case in the Trump faction, uh, my antenna was up and I was ready to see what was going to take place. And so on, I remember on the night of January 5th, I was watching, I forget who, but I was watching live streamers of just, hey, is this thing going to kick off now? Or are they, you know, what, what, does, what does it look like there in the thick of it on the street? And I remember seeing a lot of questionable people in the crowd. Uh, not, not any more questionable than what we saw over the summer. But I was looking for provocateurs. I was looking for people that might not belong in that crowd Uh, Because I just knew that this was going to be something really big. All eyes were going to be on it. And I was skeptical. Let's just say I was skeptical before we ever even got to the 6th. But once January 6th happened, I had the news on, probably like most everybody else. I was working from home. And I watched the entire day unfold. And my jaw was on the floor because I couldn't believe I was seeing what I was seeing because it didn't look, it looked far more crazy uh, through the lens of a television than it did through the lens of the people that were actually on site in the in the building. So switching from on TV to the live streamers going in and out of the Capitol, just trying to get a better assessment of what was actually going on there. And th- my first takeaway was I this doesn't seem like they're really putting up much of a fight to make sure that this didn't happen, and that yeah. was that's that that's where I was from the moment that I was watching it happen.
0: There was one um, live stream was... channel on YouTube that had it had four separate streams going at the same time, and they would alternate between different ones. But you always had at least two of them uh, from people who were inside of the Capitol building, and they there was no violent insurrection there was like aside from and and even the the chick that got shot she wasn't uh like somebody knocked the hole in the window or whatever and she just looked in she wasn't even doing anything like she wasn't trying to get in like, the the news and the uh the leftists like really play that up like she was trying to break into this into this uh office or whatever like I was watching the video live when it happened, like, she, she literally just walked up and stuck her head up to the window to see what was going on, and then you got shot in the face, like, uh, so, yeah, like, like you were saying, the, the story that was, you know, being told and the picture that was being painted from the mainstream media and everything that was going on versus what you could actually see happening inside the building were just two completely different things, and it, and it's like in the months since then, it's almost like all of that live footage from the people who were actually in, in the Capitol building, it's like it doesn't even exist. Like nobody talks about any of that. It's it's only the mainstream narrative that gets pushed on it. No, nobody talks about the fact that they, they were, <laughs> the rioters, rioters, you know, were walking around with the very minimal capital police that were available in the building and they were coordinating getting everybody rounded up so that they could all peacefully walk back out of the building after they'd had time to walk around and take selfies and do dumb shit like <laughs> it wasn't some like you know it wasn't the end of democracy it was dudes taking a walk around a guided almost a guided tour with you know capital police
1: yeah no, it, it here's the biggest takeaway that that I think anybody that thinks that it was this great uh threat against democracy, they they reconvened the same day. Like it didn't stop it paused it for four hours or whatever it was. It if it was an insurrection, it was the worst insurrection ever. It was unarmed. Now, granted, did were there fights, were there scuffles, did people get injured? Yep. Um, but at the same time where there also people literally taking selfies with the Capitol police and thanking them for their service as they were being allowed to just continue through the building. Yep. And both of them, I don't know which, which one happened more or less, but I'd say from what I saw, uh, at worst, it was 50, 50, if not 60, 40, 70, 30. And the, yeah, right this way, just stay between the velvet ropes and continue on. We got what we needed. You're now so, in the building.
0: So there was, one, there was one live feed that was like from the tunnels uh, underneath the Capitol building or whatever where the Capitol Police were like holding a stand after they had gotten everybody out. And a, a secondary group was trying to make another push back in. Um, there was some live stream video of the Capitol Police and their reinforcements holding that line. And and then the, you know, the protesters surging and pushing against it. But even with that, like, they would push and then they would push back. And at one point, one of the Capitol Police uh, or National guardmen, Guardsmen, whatever, it, like one of the guys on the the resistance side got pinned in a door. And he was getting, mm-hmm. like, smashed and hurt. And everybody on the you know, this violent mob protester side. They were like, hold up, hold up. We got to get this guy out. Like they backed off, got the guy out, made sure that he was okay, got him back on the other side of, like on his side of the line, made sure that like a medic or somebody was able to get him so he could receive treatment and get care. And then they started pushing again. Like (laughs) that's not how legitimate insurgency works. Like, if this was an actual threat, they would have absolutely stampeded that dude. They they wouldn't have pulled back and checked on him to make sure he was okay and helped him get help, you know? Like, like everything about the actual live footage from what was going on just told a completely different story than, than anything that you will ever hear from it ever again, really.
1: Yeah, and the funniest part to me is that the United States government, one that is very well versed in insurrections and toppling governments, uh, is sitting here trying to claim that that is what this was, and it's like, you, are you, are you serious? Are, it, like, some people had some, you know, got roughed up and got sprayed with bear mace. I, I would dare to say that what we saw over the summer was leagues worse than what happened on January sixth, um, in almost every way. Because so, most of the stuff that was getting damaged were private property, not uh, government property.
0: So that brings up an interesting point and something that I wanted to touch on specifically. I'm going to do the. Uh, I'm going to hit the share screen here and pull something up. So this is from Tuck Carlson, um, about two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, something like that, uh, talking about the unindicted co-conspirators in the, in this whole thing. So this is gonna be, this is gonna be a lot of fun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this right quick. And then. uh...
2: And speaking of January 6th, why are there still so many things, basic factual matters that we don't understand about that day? Why is the Biden administration preventing us from knowing? Why is the administration still hiding more than 10,000 hours of surveillance tape from the US Capitol on January 6th? What could possibly be the reason for that? Even as they call for more openness, we need to get to the bottom of it. They could release those tapes today, but they're not. Why? We ought to be asking those questions urgently because as the attorney general reminded us today, a lot depends on the answers. And at least one news organization is asking that, Revolver News. It's a new site. It's turned out to be one of the last honest outlets on the Internet. A new piece on Revolver.News suggests an answer to some of these questions. We know that the government is hiding the identity of many law enforcement officers who were present at the Capitol on January 6th, not just the one who killed Ashley Babbitt. According to the government's own court filings, those law enforcement officers participated in the riot, sometimes in violent ways. We know that because without fail, the government has thrown the book at most people who are present in the Capitol on January 6th. There was a nationwide dragnet to find them, and many of them are still in solitary confinement tonight. But strangely, some of the key people who participated on January 6th have not been charged. Look at the documents. The government calls those people unindicted co-conspirators. What does that mean? Well, it means that in potentially every single case, they were FBI operatives. Really, in the Capitol on January 6th.
0: And if you go and if you go and look at the Revol- at the the revolver article, like it goes into a whole lot more detail. And and Tucker even gets into a whole lot more detail in like, it's it's about a, a nine nine and a half minute clip. So I'm not going to play the whole thing, but like he gets into a lot more detail with it as well. Like, there were at least at least three who were primary antagonists and instigators of these riots that. Coordinated and set the whole thing up that are considered unindicted co-conspirators. They're unnamed. They are uh, person one, person two, and person three, or something like that. Like these guys, they're straight up feds. Like this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was totally an inside job. Uh, it was an inside job to create something that wasn't there to drive a narrative. Like they, they know what they're doing. Like you said, I mean, they. This stuff doesn't happen by accident, and which. Which gets me to something else I want to talk about, but like, had you had you seen the Tucker uh, clip or heard that yet, or have you seen the uh, the the revolver article or any of that yet?
1: So I saw the Tucker clip the night that it aired, and I have not seen the revolver article, but, but obviously he he makes a lot of good points, you know, uh, and for me it just reaffirmed kind of what I already. You know, I I guess I I can't say that I knew it, but you're going to have to convince me otherwise. You're going to have to verifiably prove that I was incorrect in thinking what I thought. And what I thought and what I will still stick to to this day is that, um, yeah, basically what I saw and what I already was looking for even the night before were, uh, dare I say, federal employees being in the audience uh saying outlandish things and and they did i have it i, I tweeted it out from uh, from my twitter account saying you know oh tucker carlson saying that <laughs> the fbi might be involved in january sixth you don't say and then i posted a screen grab that i got uh that from the night of the fifth where there's an obvious federal agent in the middle of this crowd baked alaska is there they're all circled around this guy and he's saying look i might go to jail for saying this but tomorrow we need to go into the Capitol. we need to go inside the Capitol." and everybody in the crowd is like what no (laughs) and then they start chanting fed like fed, fed 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 it was obvious it was even obvious to the people that were there at the time um and for the uninitiated for the people that don't know how these things work this is exactly how they go this is exactly how they go down remember how much uh stink was made back at the very beginning of the George Floyd protests, where that mysterious man in the umbrella was just walking straight up to the auto zone and just mashing out windows. And then poof, it was on after that. It was yeah. clear as day. That guy was screaming. He was screaming that he was uh antagonizing to say the least. And this was no different. If anything, you just had more of them in there. And and any I guess for me I'm a little maybe I'm just a little worn down by it because I'm like, yeah, who, who is shocked by this? And if you are shocked, welcome, welcome, welcome to the party. This is where we, uh, some of us have been forever. Um, not it was ev- like the, not uh, everything is a false flag, but that, that one, hmm, well.
0: It was like the, the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot that uh, it turned out there were actually more federal agents in that group plotting to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer than there were actual conspirators in the thing. Like it was like a group of five guys that were gonna, you know, kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. And at the end of the day, it turns out that three of those were actually federal agents. Just and the other two, like the two who were actually the the conspirators in it, uh, they were both like they both have some uh, mental issues to say the least. And like basically a bunch of a bunch of feds figured out that they could antagonize these guys into doing something ridiculous or not even doing it, like agreeing to it. All that, all these guys did was agree to the plot of some federal agents to kidnap the governor, Like they had no actual plan. They were never going to carry this out, but it became like mainstream news that these like crazy right wing extremists were going to kidnap the governor. And the whole thing was a fucking federal agent plot just to create a story. Like, and and paint these people as psychopaths they didn't even they didn't even come up with the idea themselves they were they were goaded into it which we could take that and look at the war on terror and and everything that's gone on since 9-11 and like how many times has scott horton and uh ryan dawson talked about like the the terror cells that were federal agents goading uh Middle Easterners into agreeing to something that they didn't want to do. They had no intention of carrying out, but they instigated them into agreeing to something so that they could attack these, or, you know, arrest all, make all these arrests and shut down these terror cells that were really just FBI and CIA pushing people in the wrong direction to to drive a narrative. I mean,
1: yeah. And that, that's not how, You know, to play devil's advocate or bring it back a little bit, that's not how every operation works. That's not how each Fed operates. Uh, But when they need something to happen, they can find a way to make it happen. Um, Not everybody out there that wants to do bad things or tries to carry out bad things are goaded by the Feds. But when, when we're at a point where it feels like there should be something like that, They'll find the people that are, for lack of a better term, not smart enough to know what they're getting into, and push them into that. There's that famous meme uh, that's going around where it has an FBI agent poking uh, the 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 Chad guy. You know, hey, do some terrorism. It's like, yeah, they they want that. They they need that level of. Um, outburst or or that that negative action to occur so that it can justify their strengthening their own ability to try to shut it down which all that ends up being is a greater power expansion for them to be used at their discretion against us anybody that's a dissonant or disagrees or is critical of the government um not in, not exactly what you would say is a uh, symptom of a free society that's that's for sure
0: Absolutely, and and now you're seeing it uh, kind of coming back around full circle with all of the COVID stuff. Now with the the Delta variant and all of this stuff, like it's it's more of that same, uh, you know, it's along the same vein of goading the right people who aren't smart enough to pay attention and understand what's going on, to to drive the fear porn of. Like we need more more government intervention when the government intervention is what caused the problem to begin with in almost every case, you know like the the, the times when it's a naturally occurring problem is the exception, not the rule right like
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and you know it's kind of funny i I think I talked about this on uh, last week's episode of of my podcast about you know we played the John Stewart bit that went viral from Colbert where he's making fun of like yeah I just really want to think of science and that this time was caused likely by I can't believe you're saying this and uh, and I said on my podcast I'm like yeah he hit his comedic marks but this shit infuriates the ever loving hell out of me it's like you, say that last March say that when it's dangerous to say it not when it's approved to say it. Not when the narrative has come around to saying, "Ah, you know, I think that the some of the some of the claims that seemed outrageous might actually have some merit." It's like, no, no. <laughs> the gaslighting of the American people has to stop. Otherwise, you will see actual people doing what the feds want them to do. And once it's not in the feds' control, I think that's when we're going to see that it's it's not a it's not a good thing to tamper with and start pushing people in that direction.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and I'm, you know, talking about John Stewart, at least, at least Bill Maher has like, I, I've never been a particular, I used to watch uh, Bill Maher back. My, my granddad, when he was alive, he watched Bill Maher regularly. And even though my granddad is like, or was a, a hardcore conservative, He watched Bill Maher, and so I would watch Bill Maher too, especially if I was like hanging out with him or something, but I've always kind of enjoyed Bill Maher, but I've also taken everything that he's said, like with a grain of salt, like I've never, uh, I've never particularly cared for his viewpoint on things, but I've always appreciated it and at least, uh, enjoyed watching the show and, and especially when they have, you know, all of the guests on and they get to arguing and bickering with each other, like it it gets entertaining. Um. But here lately, Bill Maher has been really good, especially on like the COVID stuff and the lockdown stuff, and like uh, he's, and he's really pissing off a lot of his uh, more dedicated fan base, which is just, you know, you would think maybe, maybe to have that mainstream voice coming out and saying this stuff, it might change some opinions, it might get people to uh, look at stuff or think a little bit more critically. And instead, like, they, they just hunker down even further into their rut. I like it, it, I have been nothing short of dumbfounded at how just completely brainwashed the overwhelming majority of the population seems to have become through all of this. And I, I wanted to use that as kind of a segue because that is sort of one of the things that are the main thing that I wanted to get you on. For was we were going to talk about messaging and and how do we kind of uh, how do we kind of get that message out and change hearts and minds on some of this stuff?
1: I think the biggest thing with messaging, there's it's funny because right now that's a big topic, especially in our uh, and we can get into that if you want to. But i I personally subscribe to the idea and the belief that there isn't one way to message because there's not one person that you're trying to message to and everybody thinks differently. Everybody has, you know, has different reactions to things. Some people don't want sensationalism. Other people, you can't get their attention without it. So I think as far as messaging goes, is the correct messaging. That is the correct way to message. Um, Chris, And I guess we're going to have to look at specific issues or situations, but I say do everything down the middle by the book is just as good as saying the most infuriating inflammatory stuff that you could possibly come up with because both of them work to get a different message out there. And one message isn't going to be for everybody. And so as much as you can put out there, I say go for it. I don't know if that answers your question, but um,
0: I, I just so like,
1: think that uh, there's a time and place for everything. I...
0: Like we've both been watching and paid paying attention to the libertarian party of New Hampshire thing, and and they had like I love the Twitter feed that they had running. Like it is definitely not the way I would approach uh, if I was running a state party. Like it's not the way I would take the Twitter feed, but. It was effective in what Jeremy Kaufman and those guys were trying to do. Like, I, I understand, I understood the purpose behind it. But then at the same time, you look at, like, the state of Indiana, we have a very strong Libertarian Party here. Uh, we we had a really good governor, governor's election here in 2020 where uh, we got a higher percentage of the vote than I think any other governor candidate across the country ever has for a Libertarian. Uh, we've got an initiative in place to put people in races for literally every election on the state and federal level that's coming up in the state of Indiana in 2022. And we have a strong party. We would never, like the state of Indiana would never take that kind of an approach with messaging. It is it is very above board. It's a very clean, good, like, it is a, you know, it, it's what you expect from a strong political party, not from, you know, edge lords and stuff like that. And it's, you know, so Mm -hmm. the, the approaches are very, very drastically different, but I think, you know, to an extent we have similar successes. Indiana is very successful as a libertarian party. And we have one of the most organized parties I think in the country, as far as the state level goes, New Hampshire clearly got a lot of attention. Kentucky has been getting a lot of attention with their, Twitter feed and being a little more edgy and stuff. And, like, each of those states also have, at least from, you know, the way things are kind of shaping up, they have strong state parties. So, obviously, there's not a a right answer. Uh, I understand the need for maybe a little bit more radical messaging. but, But, like, Indiana has taken very strong stances on certain topics, and it hasn't been inflammatory but it has been very strong very uh, like aggressive messaging on stuff that establishes the position of the state party and makes it very clear that like this is what we think and uh, like like I said it's nothing that's like crazy or inflammatory but it's also very very strong messaging and I think that's the big problem that comes out of the LP national is it's not even strong like it's just
1: Yeah. Tax is bad. Don't hurt anybody. Send. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're
1: turning off libertarians, you know, is like, and I agree with him. If, if somebody handed me the keys to the New Hampshire libertarian Twitter account, um, I I probably wouldn't tweet the same things, but it's only because I'm not as clever and as creative as Jeremy is. coming from like you know official state party you should only be state party planks and you know and that kind of thing and, and I understand that however even Dave is kind of changed on that once he saw the results from it 12 million interactions with that with I guess the most uh, egregious tweet and you can't you can't really poo poo on the results. If it's effective, if it's working, you know, you maybe tweak it, but you don't stop doing it. And I, and I can understand the, the, the outrage from the other side. It's not like, it's not like I can't understand where the people are coming from that are upset by it. But at the same time, it's like, that's the point. That's what it was trying to do was get people upset, get them out of their slumber. And, you know, Oh, and I can understand people wanting there to be more decorum and all this stuff. But those people that want that don't seem to be accepting the world that we're currently living in. There's, we've, we've been flooded with a lack of decorum for decades. And now all of a sudden, this, you know, the third party is supposed to be the shining light on the hill of how to message uh, in a political realm effectively while being the gentleman in the room. I mean that's not what we're that's not what we're here for anyway. Right. You know, I mean, if the libertarians are here to if the libertarians are here to fundamentally fundamentally tear down the state and all the apparatus that we all equally claim to be against, I don't think we need to get uh, sidetracked with messaging.
0: And you know, talking about decorum, like look no further than just you know the last four years of Trump and and not only Trump but also the democratic response to him Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, AOC, even even Bernie Sanders like they have all taken their taken their shots and gone out of their way to do some pretty lordy shit, you know, and and say some pretty harsh stuff and not behave in, you know, what's considered a polite political manner, right? Like it, and it, it, so mm-hmm why do we have to be the ones who are milk toast on everything 100% of the time when clearly some of this inflammatory shit it it at least gets the conversation going if you're not even in the conversation at all then you don't stand a chance and and that's where the libertarian party has been is it's not that you know we aren't being heard it's that we're not even in the conversation to be heard So we've got to at least Mm -hmm. do something that gets us in the conversation.
1: Exactly. And it's another symptom of kind of where we're at as a society anyway, where if you look at, especially like I'm 38, I'll be 39 and a couple older than what's on now. You know, there's a lot of shows like married with children probably couldn't be made today. Um, And Living Color probably couldn't be made today. There's a lot of TV that I grew up on. lose their minds over if it came out now. And so it's like, we're talking about politics. To me, politics is war. (laughs) It's somebody trying to gain power over another. Um, People have bought far and wide, you know, too much into it, but that's where we're at. So accordingly and effectively and you don't do that in this absolute shit show of uh political realm that we're in by coming out and saying okay guys let's tamper it down like let's all be let's all be you know cordial about this it's like no no they want to they want you to not exist that's what they want and they'll muzzle you i mean look at what uh, is going on now with Biden's administration saying, "Oh, well, the federal government can seize any com org, you know tv website uh, if we deem it to be problematic." You know, uh, people like us would easily be considered terrorists or dis- dissonance of the uh, the current power structure because we we don't jive with it, we don't agree with it, but we want to get held back because we say no no things on Twitter. It's, it's hilarious.
0: And like the thing that kills me the most about, you know, saying the no, no things is every YouTube video that I've had taken down for medical misinformation. In my appeal, I provided the actual article or research study that backed what i said and it was my appeals were still denied like it's not it's not about saying something that's not true it's about saying something that doesn't fit what they want you to say that that's a hundred percent what it is like literally, literally every single video that i've had taken down i provided links to the articles and to the research studies that showed what I said was accurate and factual, and I've, I've never—I I've, take that back. I got one appeal overturned. Uh, it was early on too. It was like in July, or July or August of last year. It was before the election. I got one appeal overturned, and since then, not a single one. I don't—they don't even get the time of day, and it, like it's—it's it's insane. Uh, I was. I've stopped I've stopped appealing with uh with articles and just giving like completely profanity strewn uh responses to the to the to the removals just to see how far I can push it to before they just completely deplatform me off of YouTube.
1: <laughs> yeah. Else you just... to them and see what see what happens. <laughs> but that's yeah, the... the bigger thing is like that is the, you know, to quote Tom Woods, that's the. I laugh at, I think it's cheesy as all hell, but we remember it. So I guess it works, but he's not wrong. There is that little narrow area that you can actually, that you're allowed to play within. But if you go outside that, you know, you go outside that sandbox, you, you got to leave the playground and that is the big thing to me because we've seen it. We've seen it, especially over the last year and a half between COVID, uh, the coverage of the BLM riots, the election, January 6th, and now coming out of COVID, the vaccines, all of those things I just mentioned, you're only allowed to talk about in a certain way that supports a, only one side And if you dare say anything about any of those any other way, you're immediately like, nope, you are not fit for polite society. And I think that that is naturally going to draw out people that want to say the most uh, insane things, even if they're correct. Acceptable, allowable speech pattern. Because if that's the world that we do live in, which is showing that that is the case then I think you have to, to quote Trump, fight like hell to try to get it back. And right now, words are what we're using. If words are violence, <laughs> then words is what we're going to be using to get our message across that uh, we re- reject the notion that we're not allowed to say things, especially when we are correct and when people are not being allowed to hear it. I think that that is that is anybody's duty that knows better uh, to have the most egregious, loudest, sensational, whatever messaging possible to break through and uh, have enough people see it to where collectively people just say, all right, f this, we're not we're not doing this anymore.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, So just a. A quick little aside, something that I have noticed across like all platforms, not just for stuff that I've had removed, but things that other people I know have had removed. Like if you can cite sources, and especially if in the either the article that you write or whatever you, like the video or audio that you post, if you actually cite and link sources, that gets taken down immediately. Like, if you can prove if you can actually factually prove what you're saying that's gone they don't want that anywhere to be found like they they remove that shit immediately it it doesn't uh, i've actually uh it wasn't something that i posted for my own site it was something that i can't remember if i posted for peddling fiction or uh lines of liberty it was something that i posted on one of the other uh podcast social media accounts and before it even finished processing to to fully upload and post it got taken down like they are quick on the trigger to take out if you if you can actually show proof of what you're saying that can't that can't stand and that I mean that is straight out of 1984 that is straight up ministry of truth like you know censoring and Editing the, you know, editing the history and changing things so that the only thing that exists is what the state says. And this is the way it is, and this is is the way it always has been. And it it doesn't matter if you can remember two months ago when that's not the way it was. This is the way it always has been. Somebody made the joke on, uh, you know, Twitter a few months ago that people are going to be, you know, finding their masks that... That they wore when they were in high school, you know, people that are, are that are our age are going to be uh, pulling their masks out of the woodwork from that they wore when they were seniors in high school, uh, like. And, and honestly, it's going to happen. Like that's it, it's mm-hmm. not that far fetched of a of a thing to say and and to expect to see.
1: No, absolutely, and it's funny talking about things getting pulled. It's uh, a lot of it is now handled by AI. So, the AI, this is a huge, the the last, again, going back over the last year and a half, they have really perfected or have improved upon, I think, things that they were wanting to get done regardless. But this gave them the perfect opportunity between face recognition and AI that can pick up on certain, you know, cues, words, whatever. It's even got to the point now where memes, even if memes don't even have a word in it memes will get yanked like in uh, the peddling fiction the meme stream that you that you put on every monday there was one uh that got pulled of mine a couple weeks ago that i posted back in august didn't even have a word on it just was a uh, was a depiction of peter griffin as a gross croots i forget the guy's first name but one of the guys that was shot in kenosha who had his bicep blown off and it was just a- funny meme it was just literally a picture of peter griffin just doing the you know owl, owl you know what anyway it's a meme it's hard to explain but somebody finally looked at it. it was like yank you can't have that and i was like that's ridiculous and then more recently this was just this week um well maybe it was last week that i posted it where The news reporter that broke the story about Bill Clinton having the private tarmac meeting a few years back, uh, showing up dead. A meme came out that I I shared that has uh, Kevin Spacey on the top and Hillary Clinton on the bottom. And it just says, this is Kevin Spacey saying, LOL, I've had three of my accusers end up dead. And then on the bottom it has Hillary and it says, that's cute, hold my adrenochrome. And um, maybe... It's just that one. I posted it on my Instagram story. Not a uh, profile, just in my story. It says false information in your post. Uh, your, your post contains the same information as a post reviewed by independent fact checkers. It may have small differences, but then it keeps on going saying you need to delete this. Or else this is a strike against your account. If this happens again, you run the risk of losing your account. And it's like, it's a meme. There's not any bit of accusations in there.
0: It's not meant to be be factual. It's meant to be funny.
1: (laughs) And in fact, uh, there's nothing in there that can even be stated. Like, it's not saying, quote, Kevin Spacey said this. These are words next to people's faces. And it's not a, it's not incorrect that Kevin Spacey had three accusers end up dead. That's a fact. And then that's cute. Hold my adrenochrome. That and nothing in there says Hillary Clinton stated. You know, there's comedy is now off limits. And if comedy's off limits and comedy's in the no go zone, then I say we got to use comedy uh, to get as a part of getting our message across. You know, for me personally, that's that's kind of where I live. Is I see all the seriousness, and I see a lot of the people saying, "Oh, I'm red pilled," or "I'm black pilled." Michael Malice likes to look for the white pill. Um, I guess I'm clown pilled. I, I just want to find a way to be entertained by all the craziness that's happening because it's going to happen regardless. I'm uh, there's no reason for me to lose sleep or get hopeful or get down so I've made the choice that uh, it's going on because it's going to happen regardless. Um, so anytime I'm in, like if I'm in anybody's live stream chat, most of my comments are not uh, they're on this level of, of the meme. It's, it's just poking fun. I'd rather have fun with all this than take it so seriously that people are, yeah, there's a lot of, People in even in our movement that just take everything so seriously, and um, and that's—I'm not going to tell everybody how to how to react to all this stuff. I personally choose to look at it from more of, uh, can you believe how stupid this is? Not a, can you believe how stupid this is? And uh, and you know, it's a totally different sentiment. I can say the same words, but my demeanor is just like <laughs> this. This is really dumb.
0: That's, that's how I try to handle my Twitter, uh, like my Twitter replies and stuff. Like, I try to convey at least some level of seriousness in my response, but I also try to do it in a humorous fashion that, like, that people like us who are, you know, who actually pay attention to this stuff are going to look at that and, the, and they're going to get a chuckle off of it. And probably the person who is just, like, completely blue-pilled and doesn't get their news from anywhere other than CNN. They're probably going to hate me and be pissed off and block me. And that's fine. But, like, I actually had one that uh, it was about the Juneteenth stuff that it actually turned into a decent uh, conversation. And we were actually in agreement on stuff. But, but you know, I approached it from a more of a humorous uh, perspective than, uh, no, you're wrong. You know, this is what it is. And, you know, at the end of the conversation, we were actually on the same page, uh, but, um, we were coming at it from, we were on the same page, but coming from different directions. You know, we had that, the converging paths that, of how we were getting to it. And, uh, you know, it it was a good conversation, but if I had come out and been just like total dickhead about it, then that probably, we probably never would have gotten to that conclusion. And, And, you know, you see that a lot too is who is it? Oh gosh. It feels like there was some, and it might very well have been Robin Williams, but like, uh, it was something to the effect of like try to bring light and humor to every situation. And regardless of how you're coming into it, everybody's going to come out better for it. Like it's, if you're, if you're being light and fun with somebody, even if you absolutely hate each other's opinion, uh, you're, there's a lot better of a chance that you're going to find common ground if you come at it lightly and humorously and, you know, you're both willing to do a little jab here and there and, and you know, some give and take. I, I've got a buddy that he's uh, hardcore Bernie bro and like super, super socialist, wants all of that, all of that stuff. And we really don't agree on anything except the police. Mm-hmm. And we have found a common ground on our distaste for the police, and like it, uh, it has really changed the dynamic of the way we interact with each other on social media. Because even though, aside from that one point, we are like polar opposites on everything else, we've got that one thing, and so we're willing to hear each other out. On the other things, even if there's no chance we're ever going to agree on any of that stuff, we have found, you know, some common ground and we're able to be more light and humorous and jab at each other and take it in stride as opposed to butt heads and like, you know, just spew hate. And that's anytime you can take that approach and which you know, that gets into other topics and, and issues is like with social media and with a lot of this stuff being, you know, typed out interaction, you don't get the nuance of having a conversation. So it can be uh, misconstrued and it can be hard at times, but, you know, you at least want to try to view things from a, a more of a light uh, position and, and try to try to look at it from that perspective, even if that's not the intent of the other person. I, I think everybody's just you know fucking with me whenever I see some dumb comment.
1: <laughs> well, sp- speaking of what you're talking about with your buddy who's a Bernie bro, um, another co-host on my podcast, uh, Arona, who lived out in Arizona. He lived in Oregon. He moved to Georgia almost a year ago, and he's a recovering Bernie bro. That's how I've mentioned him to a lot of people uh, for a while. And – and he was, you know, he'll he'll uh, admit, yeah, I, I was a lefty. I'm, I still think of myself on the left, whatever, or left of center. And I'm like, whatever, dude. You've he's moved so far away from that ideology and that mindset since moving here. Um, because... See, I wanted to
0: ask you specifically about him because okay. for anybody who doesn't listen to your show, like you, you can definitely tell that he has that tilt. Um, even even if he's he may not be consciously aware of it uh i don't and i like i think sometimes he's not consciously aware that he is he's skewing in that direction just based on the way the conversation kind of unfolds uh but he does he does lean that way even if it you know it's not something that he's consciously doing so that's that was something that i really wanted to, to hit on is uh like how do you think is the best approach with especially dealing with not dealing with, but, you know, getting to interact with him on a weekly basis and doing that show and y'all do a long show. I mean, it's, it's, you know, two, three hours of y'all just going on with different topics and stuff, you know, how do you kind of work around that and sort of gear the way you approach things where that it keeps the conversation flowing and, and it does and has apparently, you know, brought him along from where he was to, to being a little more receptive to, you know, some of the ideas that you and I uh, just kind of latch on naturally.
1: I'll say, and this might play a, the biggest role, and it really has more to do with him as a person, being open, not being so steadfast in, this is what I believe and I'm right, and because I'm right, that makes you wrong, and I don't listen to those who are wrong. That's not him at all so he might already be in a position that's better off than a lot of other people that are dead set in their ideologies but his transition out of being a staunch socialist bernie supporter is once he came onto the show 99% of the stories that we talk about on the show i especially in the beginning i'm i'm the one that is kind of bringing up to the group i'm the one that's i purposefully pick out okay I want to talk about this 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 and this and we might only get to three of them but I want to cover them all because I think that there's an important message uh, or or lesson to be learned from it and so he was immediately being exposed to stories and details about things that he had never heard of before and coming from avenues that he was unaware of so because that that right there in itself really started to chisel down And make him question himself, do I really believe what I believe? And do I really believe it as emphatically as I think I do? Or am I just believing this because it's the easiest thing for me to claim to believe when I'm in Oregon and parts of Phoenix where the people that I surround myself with, um, you know, your entry ticket is you got to be a Bernie supporter to be hanging out with us. back to Georgia and being exposed to a lot of the podcasts that we listen to and the news brought up on the show and the manner in which I talk about him has has made him question undoubtedly it's made him question everything that he thought he believed politically anyway and the result of that at least over this past year He's even acknowledged it. He's now sending me stuff that, uh, you know, hey, I want to talk about this, and I'm like, okay, you're really, you've really gone for it. I guess is what I'm saying is like you're, you're not the same guy that you were two years ago, and it's and it shows. And and Doug and I on the show have talked about this. It's like that wasn't ever really our goal. In fact, my goal with the show was to have me who's a wavering and cap anarchist Christian monarchy that's got me thinking, but I'm not ready to go down that path yet, but that's the area that I'm in a guy who's politically agnostic and Doug, who's just lived a lot longer and has a lot of opinions and thinks everything regarding politics is trash. And then a Bernie bro. I was like, in my mind, I was like, that could be a really fun thing to do. Um, to see if we can all actually have a conversation and not kill each other. And what's ended up happening is uh, the most noticeable thing is that Arona has kind of dropped his leftist ways and and the way that he thinks. He's immediately more critical, sometimes more so than I am, about things, which kind of terrifies me because I'm like, okay, don't go too far right. <laughs> you don't want to wait in those waters because, uh, we'll stay you're out of Q land. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're not ready to engage with those folks to understand where they're full of shit yet. So, baby steps, baby Q-tards all day long if that's what you want, but baby steps, yeah. Don't radicalize so fast that you slingshot yourself over into another area where I can't, I can't save you from. <laughs> but I don't know if that answers your question, but that, that's kind of what has been going on uh, with him.
0: See, that's she can probably hear me in there, and she's going to come yell at me. But that's sort of a similar path that my wife has taken. Uh, like when we first got mm-hmm. together, uh, she was more of a Bernie supporter, uh, if not like full-on Bernie bro. And I was I was still kind of at a divorced from politics point in my life. Like I was just anarchy all the way. And uh, I've kind of softened on that a bit. Not a whole lot, but at least a, a little bit. But just in some of the stuff that I listen to and read and, and look at and share, she has, and like, I've tried not to explicitly push any of that on her. Like, we never talked about politics when we were dating, uh, and we never really, really honestly, and prior to the last like year and a half, we never talked about politics at all. And mm-hmm. she has come all the way around to like basically borderline anarchist uh she like she looks at some of this yeah. stuff she'll even like you're saying like she'll even send stuff to me and show me stuff and she'll be like look at this bullshit what in the hell I'm like yeah <laughs> yeah I know I, I know dear like <laughs> but yep. Yep. you know she's she's finding that stuff and like to see the like the light come on and you know like the red pill kick in uh it's been really entertaining but and, and maybe, you know, maybe we're both kind of on to something like it's not about uh, trying to push that on people. Maybe it's just about having normal interactions and letting them uh, kind of expose themselves to it over time and and uh, kind of figure it out on their own. And I mean, obviously, there are some that like they're not going to it's just not going to happen. It, it will never click. And and that's on both sides. Like that's, you know. Democrats and Republicans, There are the ones that are just like hardcore. It is never going to click. But there are others that, you know, they just need time to absorb it for themselves. Uh, It was really interesting talking about coming from both sides, the right and the left, because I think uh, especially for the two of us with being more engaged in like Facebook and, and Twitter, especially where you really do get some pretty extreme leftist views on stuff and you don't see the right-wing side of it quite as much like unless you've really found that niche portion of social media that you you know you you've you've gone after that side of things it's much more on the leftist side but during the donald rainwater campaign for governor here in indiana uh, because the democrats really are an afterthought in indiana it's like it is all about the Republicans, basically. Uh, the biggest pushback on the Rainwater campaign came from like neocon hardcore Republicans, more so than like you didn't get a lot of uh, opposition from Democrats. It was it all came from the Republicans, and I got in a pretty heated debate with a a lady about what she thought libertarianism was, and after. A, Oh, gosh. And, it, and I mean, it went on for at least three days. And it was like, you know, the long, drawn out, just like thousand word essay post uh, going back and forth between me and her. And at the end of it, like at the beginning, she clearly did not know anything about libertarianism. Like she more or less thought we were uh, radical communists. <laughs> and yeah, by, y'all just
1: want to give heroin to baby.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> the crazy, crazy shit and by the end of it she she had not uh changed her position but at the end of it she did acknowledge that ron paul and libertarianism were not what she thought they were and were not as bad as she had originally thought they were so uh, you know it's at least a, a baby step like she. She's an old woman, and she's probably never going to uh, give libertarianism a try. But at least by the end of the conversation, it wasn't this horrible, evil thing that was going to destroy the world anymore. It was just not something she wanted.
1: Yeah, no, and you got to start somewhere. Um, the fact that she even had a conversation with you, that in itself is a step in, uh, in a good direction, I believe. Um, you know, and there's people out there that make the argument, don't even try to engage with them. And I understand that argument as well. And that's kind of where I'm at right now is, uh, like I said a minute ago, you know, from an ANCAP to an anarchist to uh, a Christian monarch. (laughs) There's so many, there's there's so many different ways, like if, one thing that could be said is that I think that libertarians are far more Engaged in paying attention to politics than even Democrats or Republicans, I think a lot for the most part, at least their core base, they don't pay that much attention. We inherently do, um, which therefore I think that we are the ones that should probably be listened to. You can't ask a Republican about, you know, fiscal policy. Or a Democrat, because neither one of them know. They don't have an idea. They just know that whatever the other side's doing, they don't like that. And you know, even in our circles where, you know, the whole term, you know, the autistic libertarian, we get so ingrained down to, you know, are you a real libertarian? Are you degree? If not, then I'm gonna go find some new way to think about this whole politics thing. And but I'm interested in all of that. I want to hear everybody talk about that. like I love listening to Buck Johnson, have tho Bishop on and and have Matt Erickson on, and talk about how Dave Smith is doing everything wrong and then I also like to listen to Dave Smith talking about yeah, I'm not interested in them or what they got going on i'm going to do so, i'm going do it my way. And I'm like, yeah, you should fuck them and then and then I'll hear like Pete Kionis. He also had Matt Erickson on, and it was a, it's an interesting story, and it's an interesting way to, to think about things. And I'm intrigued by anybody that thinks differently than me. I want to hear everything you have to say because if it's something I haven't thought of, who knows? It might be beneficial. It might be something that I actually agree with. I just am not aware of it. And so with adam patrick from your talking over me podcast and that one was the episode where i even i think i tweeted it out or messaged pete and i was just like thank you for this one this explicitly says where i'm at right now you know i'm 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 glad that there are people out there that are still thinking about these things and it doesn't feel so alienating to know that you're still questioning things like just because i say i'm a libertarian doesn't mean i'm just done And, well, this is it. This is where I'm going to be forever. So I can put the thinking brain down and then just go to battle with R's and D's and try to scorch them in, you know, Twitter mentions. Um, I'm still very intrigued with different ideologies and different ways of thinking. I may not adopt them, but I respect the people that are out there swinging that bat. If you know, you know, if you understand.
0: Right i watch I watch Matt's live stream as often as I can uh, when he and and Stephen Messina go on and do kingfield and mm-hmm. which I think you you're on that pretty regularly too um, but mm-hmm. like I don't agree i I think Matt has a brilliant way of looking at and thinking about things. I don't agree with him much if at all but i still really like hearing that opinion and and it makes me think about things from a different perspective like it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily bring me around to that way of thinking just like like I, i've had good conversations with tho and and got to meet him in person and and i've heard all of his thoughts on stuff and you know we engage semi regularly and i don't agree with uh you know his position on working through the GOP just because I came from that like I came from that world in you know super red state Kentucky and live in that world in super red state Indiana and just from you know my experience I don't think that has any uh reasonable bearing as being something that's going to work but that doesn't mean that it doesn't work for Florida doesn't mean that it can't work in Texas, like, and that's something that I've talked about mm-hmm. fairly regularly uh, on my show. Is like, there is no blanket policy that's going to work for literally anything. We are much different here out in the county than what they are five miles in town. Like, it's a five. It's literally a five mile drive. And it is night and day different from how we are right here to how they are right there. And, you know, and if there's mm-hmm. that big of a difference in that short of a stretch, you know, you can't have blanket anything for New York, California, Texas, Montana, Florida, Mississippi, it doesn't work. So everything has to be a localized approach. And I think that kind of, I think that kind of ties it, ties everything that we've been talking about uh, up in a nice, with a nice little bow. This is like every, every conversation that you have where this stuff is concerned has to be an individual conversation. And like the way, you, the way you approach it, like I try to bring everything with a combination of facts and humor because if I can hit you with facts and I can keep it light, then you're more likely to continue to engage. And it might be shit posting like New Hampshire, or it might be just, you know, straight up towing party lines like, uh, you know, the Indiana Twitter feed. And, you know, everything has to be done on a individual basis, which individualism is one of the, you know, primary cornerstones of libertarianism anyway. So
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And to echo what you said. There are parts that I agree with though. There's parts that I agree with Matt and there's parts that I agree with David or, or not David, Dave Smith. And like, just like you said, what works in Florida probably won't work in Iowa and they don't have to, you know, for a lot of the people that are out there talking about a national divorce, secession, and breaking up and you go this way and we go that way because we're so different. Why the hell are you trying to prescribe one method as far as how to vote in, in a political system? you're automatically going against the things that you already stand on. So this is kind of dumb. This isn't a, that's one way I know that you are a libertarian as you're speaking in absolutes. It's like, allow there to be nuance.
0: Right. If you're a secessionist, uh, you can't also be a, you know, one, one size fits all uh, approach because secession is already throwing that out the window.
1: Yeah. And in the natural world, uh, one, There's always get a second opinion from your doctor, make sure you go visit three different car dealerships before you make a purchase. Like, if you're going to be smart about it, you never just buy into one thing. No decent financial advisor is going to tell you put all of your money in one thing and one thing only. There's more than one way to get to the desired result and not any one person's method is the tried and true only way. I think that's the most ridiculous way uh, to talk about things is like that everything that's going on over here is wrong. And the people that are doing it are stupid and bad or whatever. And you should listen to me because I, I'm just the guy who gets it. Um, You know, I got a lot of issues with people that talk like that and I'll mock them and try to have fun and in a humorous way. But um, I, I, I think that the you know, the better way to go about things is just to allow there to be multiple different ways to get to the place that we all claim that we want to end up. And and uh and in the meantime, just try to be as entertaining with it as you can and hopefully, you know, convert a few people here and there to think a little more critically and who knows what happens after that.
0: Hell yeah. If somebody's at least, you know, taking the time to about it from a slightly different perspective than what they would have otherwise then that's success like success is not uh having a libertarian in the white house success is having people wake up and start to think for themselves and put that big beautiful brain to use that that's if nothing else the public education system has dulled everybody's brain and if we can just have good conversations with people that get them using some function of what they've lost then we have been successful
1: couldn't agree more
0: well I think we'll uh, I think we'll wrap on that that was pretty good that actually kind of took everything that I wanted to talk about and uh, tied it all together and and put a pretty little bow on it here at the end Jim thanks for coming on again and joining me and we will definitely have to do this another time
1: absolutely thank you Justin
0: Yes, sir.